that I get to be here with you, with you who I know from when we lived here, and with you who I don't know, and I hope I get to know you. I'm so delighted that God has given me a privilege to bring his word, to study his word, to preach his word, and to do it with you today. So thank you, Brian, for giving me this great opportunity. I'm very thankful. You're probably going to be helped to have two things open in front of you. One is your bulletin and that scripture reading from Psalm 34. You might just want to have that open. I'm going to refer to that. And then the other thing, more maybe probably more importantly, I think more importantly, is the passage we're going to be studying is from 1 Peter. So if you do not own a Bible or didn't bring a Bible, I think there are some Bibles in the back. You can get one of those. Um, and just if you don't know how to navigate the Bible, there's a table of com- contents on the inside. Near the end of the Bible is a, a section, a book called First Peter, which was a letter written quite some time ago. But as we understand as Christians, because it's God's living word, it is very relevant for our lives today. So we're going to be looking at that together. First Peter chapter 3, verses 8 through 12. And because I have history with so many of you, and because I have such a love for this place, and because we pray often for your church as a church in the U.S., and because I love you and I care about Christ's people for whom he's died, I would really like to bless you today. How can I bless you? What can I say, what could I do that will be good for you? That will do good for you. That's what I want to do. So what do you think would bless you? What could you receive today that would improve your life? Your experience of life? In wanting to bless you, I mean by that, that I want to participate in the act of sharing some benefit with you that makes your life good. If I could promise you the good life, what would you give in exchange for it? Our passage that we're going to be looking at, 1 Peter 3, verse 8 through 12, is all about blessing. It is an invitation to us today from Peter, an apostle who lived with Jesus Christ, the Son of God who died and was raised again and who now rules in heaven. It is a personal invitation to us from Peter, an eyewitness of Jesus, to receive a blessing, a benefit that is offered to us. So let's read about that. I'm going to read 1 Peter 3, verse 8 through 12. Finally, all of you have unity of mind, sympathy, brotherly love, a tender heart, and a humble mind. Do not repay evil for evil or reviling for reviling, but on the contrary, bless. For to this you were called, that you may obtain a blessing. For whoever desires to love life and see good days, let him keep his tongue from evil and his lips from speaking deceit. Let him turn away from evil and do good. Let him seek peace and pursue it. For the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous, and his ears are open to their prayer. But the face of the Lord is against those who do evil. This passage in 1 Peter invites us to consider that there is a good life to be had. 
here is an invitation to each of us there in verse 10. Did you see it? Whoever desires to love life and see good days. Is that an accurate depiction and description of you? What person wouldn't want this, right? But aren't there many of us who feel that that is a possibility beyond our reach? Aren't there others who feel that the cares of the world have long since choked out our ability to breathe, let alone thrive? But here it is, in God's word, which is true forever, an offering for a life that's good, a life to love living. Some of us here may really be loving life right now. And that's a good thing. You wake up with a a fresh sense of purpose and gratitude to be simply breathing another day, let alone the things that he's called you to do. Well, others of us, well, it depends on whether or not we have our coffee, what time the kids wake up, if our team won the game, how work might go this day or this week, what our spouse has chosen to say or not say. You might say to me, Philip, my life is full of suffering right now. You don't understand what I'm going through. You don't understand what my week has been like. You might, because of those things, feel like loving life is a virtual impossibility for any human being. And if we were speaking just strictly on human terms, you might be right. Because in our minds often, and in our world, suffering negates joy. Hardship detracts from happiness. Trial hinders us from taking in the good of the moment. But the one who offers the blessing here, and the life that results from this blessing, is not human. And he is not limited to the constraints of what our minds can fathom. And you'll see if you keep reading maybe tonight or this week in this letter, this person offering this blessing offers this blessing even right in the middle of suffering. So as we read in Acts, he gives such a blessing to our life such that two men beaten and imprisoned wanted to sing his praises at midnight in their jail cell. You read about that in Acts chapter 16. He is the one who the psalmist praised that we read about in Psalm 34. At all times, even though those times, he tells us, were riddled with afflictions and brokenheartedness. What an ability this one who blesses us has. Who can benefit us even when we're broken? Who can lead us in the good life even when we grieve? Who can turn even moments of suffering into seasons of deep enjoyment of life. And so naturally, we've got to ask the question, who is it that's offering us this blessing? So we've been in point number one of my four-point sermon. That was the invitation to the blessed that we just noticed from verse 10. Now let's notice the second thing of the four things we're going to notice in this passage. And it's this, the one who offers this blessing. There's an invitation to be blessed. And now we see, secondly, the one who offers this blessing. In verse 9, we are told 
that there are those who are blessed and that they have been called to this so that they may obtain a blessing. There is one who is calling. And if you read through 1 Peter, you read through the rest of the New Testament, we find almost always the one who is extending this call is God himself. The one who's made you and me. The answer, the one who offers this blessing in this passage is God. The one who made you in his image to enjoy him and to enjoy the world he's made. The God of all things desires to give you what is good. Yeah, many of of us know, and if you don't know it, I pray you will today just by being here and part of this service and hearing the gospel that this God is the one that we have all sinned against. We took the goodness of what he created and what he offers us, and we have turned our back on it, thinking that we on our own could do much better for ourselves than he could do for us. Our lives and our world show us that when we did that, and then pursued that path, we did not do much better than God. We did much, much worse. And so the world is a broken, broken place. And we are broken people. Our rebellion against God's goodness is evil. And that rebellion fills our lives and our world with the consequences. So you might hear that and conclude, surely... Our treatment of God would disqualify us, wouldn't it, from receiving anything good from him now? Well, if we were operating on merely human terms, it probably would have. But God's way, thankfully, is higher than our way. And he is full of grace and compassion. He gives mercy, a thing that is undeserved, undeserved love to undeserving sinners. And this full gift of grace, of goodness from him to us, came to us in a person named Jesus Christ, his very own son. This was God's response to our sin. Listen to this. For the evil that we did, this was God's good response to do good for us. This is what God did. He sent a savior to enter the world, to live like us as humans, but unlike us because he was righteous, perfect in every way. And Christ, the Savior of the world, who enjoyed a wonderful life before any of this ever began, a wonderful life with his loving Father, he willingly laid down that life and died on a cross and rose again so that we might have a good promise to us and a good future that we won't die but will have eternal life that comes through the forgiveness of sins because Jesus died to save us. What a good gift. What a good God. This is why you, Covenant Hope Church, spend your Friday evenings praising and blessing God, isn't it? Without God's grace in Christ, there would be no blessing. There would be no such thing as blessing. You may be here today, standing outside of Christ, not wanting to follow him, not wanting to believe him, not wanting to turn away from sin that you find yourself loving. If so, you stand under the curse of your sin. And that will lead to your eternal death. A death you deserve for turning your life against the holy God who gave it to you. As much as God is gracious and blesses those who are covered by Christ, 
we find in this passage that he, po- he opposes those who will not turn from their sin and trust in Jesus. Look at verse 12. The face of the Lord is against those who do evil. It is only Christ who can pay for the evil that we've done. We sang about that earlier. It's not in me. It's not in you. Only the power of Christ's sufficient and perfect sacrifice for us, only his victorious rise from the grave can turn these hearts of stone, defiant as they are, into willing, obedient hearts to God. Only Christ can change you and me from rebels to sons and daughters of God our Father. So if you're here outside of Christ, let me offer you this invitation. Come into the blessing of God's grace through Jesus today. Don't wait any longer. And there you will find that God is good and life with him is sweet. Now for those of you who have come, and I trust as many of us here, then this blessing God offers is sure and secure for you. Look at the second half of verse 9. For to this you were called, that you may obtain a blessing. In just a moment, we're going to think about what are the details of the blessings God's given us. But I want to make it clear that this blessing is not something we earn by our good living Christians. I think Peter, by fronting the whole section with, to this you are called, he is reminding us that all the goodness of the life that we might enjoy in God is purely of his grace. And since we've been shown such grace in Christ and been given faith to trust in Christ and follow Christ, the direction of our lives now go is toward the blessing of life with Christ. It is God who has put us on that path and is God who keeps us on that path. So will we still sin? Oh, yes, we will. Will this path God's put us on, this path to blessing, sometimes affect and the sin that we're capable of, will that sometimes affect our enjoyment of the blessing God provides? Yes. But for those who have been called, there will never, ever be a permanent separation from the God who has blessed us. And the grace he promises will sustain us and will keep us. Our actions are of great consequence in this life. But for this God who calls and secures, thank God our actions are not the ultimate thing that keeps us secure. So what do we do if our lives don't fit the description here, this life that enjoys blessing, and yet we sincerely do want to follow Christ? What if we have found ourselves mired in sin recently? What are we to do? Well, we're to do what Christians have always done. Ask for forgiveness. Ask for renewed trust. Ask God to give us joy in following him anew. And isn't it wonderful to know that God answers that prayer? We saw early in Psalm 34. This is why I told you to keep your bulletin open. This is exactly why we praise God. This is why we bless him. Because he's the God who hears prayers like that and answers it. The psalmist who wrote Psalm 34 knew that. He starts the psalm by saying, I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. And what is he blessing him for? So many things. But one of the things, verse 17, he's blessing him because when the righteous cry for help, and I assume some of that cry is for help from sin that mires us, the Lord hears and delivers and delivers us out of all our troubles. 
The Lord is near to the brokenhearted and saves the crushed in spirit. Many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivers him out of them all. We praise and bless God because he hears our prayers and gives forgiveness and deliverance. So this is the God who offers this blessing. So let's notice third from this passage. Having seen an invitation to blessing and the one who offers this blessing, notice thirdly, the blessing offered in verses 10 through 12. Whoever desires to love life and see good days, Peter writes, let him keep his tongue from evil and his lips from speaking deceit. Let him turn away from evil and do good. Let him seek peace and pursue it. For the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous and his ears are open to their prayer. You know, in this passage, Peter doesn't ever clearly spell out what he, what he calls the blessing we obtain. He describes what the life of the blessed looks like, which we'll come to in our final point in a moment. And perhaps we're meant to appreciate that God has given the ability to live good even when we had been so evil previously. But I think that Peter alludes to the essence, the thing at the core of this blessing in the first half of verse 12. For the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous and his ears are open to their prayer. I think that's at the heart of the blessing. What it means to be blessed. The great benefit, the great blessing that God offers us is for his grace to be operating for our good in all parts of our lives. That though once God frowned on us because of our sin, he now smiles on us for the righteousness of Christ he sees in us. That though he in his holiness at one point in righteousness turned his back on us, now he faces us with the full love of a father for his children. And this is what Psalm 34 is all about. It's a song of praise for the benefits the believer has because we get to know this God. And so he invites us, taste and see that the Lord is good. We hear Psalm 34, verse 8, read. And in our hearts we say, amen, Christians, don't we? Because we know what it's like to taste and see the Lord is good. How blessed it is that we are allowed in times of hardship and storms and trials to run to this refuge who cannot be shaken or destroyed or moved. We remember, don't we, Christian, the tasting of the bitterness and the emptiness of the life in this world we had without God, and then coming and finding Jesus to be all in all, sweeter by far than anything we'd ever found before. We know the one who can protect us and does. We know the one who can heal our broken spirits when we're weighed down by the deepest pains and griefs. And oh, he does. And we know the one who decides and determines to open up his unlimited bank account in generosity and pour out his provisions in our life so that we can say we lack no good thing. Oh, Christian, is there anything his gracious presence in your life cannot remedy? Having been given Christ and the unending favor of God who smiles on us, is there anything we still need that we don't have? 
may we not be the type of Christian who praises little and complains often. Who get hung up on what God hasn't done and in our discontent end up despising all that he has done. May we instead be the people who praise God because he has blessed us with himself. May Jesus Christ be our boast. May this church regularly give out the invitation liberally to others as they come and visit with you or come into your lives to give them the invitation to say, magnify the Lord with me. Let us exalt his name together. One more thing to notice about the blessing offered. When we live in the favor and the grace of God through Christ, we will enjoy the natural outcome of that blessing. And that the outcome of that blessing is a good life lived forever. God calls us out of darkness into his light. And once we're in his light, he sets our feet to walk in the light, never to return to the darkness. And when we walk in his light, we do what's right as he shows us to do. And we do what's right when we do it. We do what's good as he showed us. And when we do what is good, we do the best, most enjoyable thing that can be done because we do what God does. That's the process God begins and completes in our life. And this path of good that he has put you on, if you're trusting and putting your faith in Christ, it will never end. Life with God, following God, going to live in godly ways, that's your life today. That is your eternal destination as a person of God, as those who have been brought with Christ's blood. And when we reach heaven, and may the day come soon when we reach heaven, when we reach it and when we see our Savior Jesus, we will be taken to a whole different level of enjoyable life with God. Because we're finally going to be rid of the sin that keeps us from enjoying that life fully and completely now. How great a day it's going to be to receive the inheritance Jesus promises us. The blessing of a life completely like Christ. Don't lose heart in your struggle with sin, believer. In your fight against sin, in your decisions for good that cost you in this life. You are doing important work in preparing for eternity. As we grow, we see more and more. We will see it more starkly. We will see it more clearly. The pain of it will weigh heavier on our hearts that this world is a cursed place. We will see sin. We will see death. We will see our own weaknesses and the own, our own failings of our hearts. And if you think you've seen it to its depth, just wait 10 years. And God in his goodness will show you just how great the cross of Christ was because you will deepen your understanding of your own inadequacy and failing without him. I'm only 37, but I'm starting to learn that lesson. But we will see at the same time all the things. Not only we will, will we see what's broken, we will grow in being able to see more quickly and readily all these things that God in his power is going to make right. He's going to heal it. He's going to perfect it with new life. Even the curse that we see in front of our eyes every day, it's going to be done with. 
The damage of it is going to be wiped out because Christ has already undone its power on the cross. And so that will be something that we praise him for forever in heaven. God invites us to receive the blessing of his grace operating in our lives from now until forever. So let's turn to our last point. Point number four. Notice with me that Peter is presenting to us the life of the blessed. What does life look like for the person who lives in the grace of God? Who, who receives this blessing and then it impacts their life. What does that life then look like? Well, it's a life of love for God and others. We see the person who loves God doing what God loves in verse 10 and 11. I'm going to read it again. Whoever desires to love life and see good days, let him keep his tongue from evil and his lips from speaking deceit. Let him turn away from evil and do good. Let him seek peace and pursue it. All things God loves. They use their words to speak truthful things, good things. They use their actions to promote good and go in the opposite direction of what God says is wrong. We see them motivated to bridge the divide that grow between us and others and instead pursue peace and reconciliation. So the way of living for what God loves is the way to love living. Let me say that again. The way of living, this way of living for what God loves is the way to love living. A day full of good done in God's eyes is a good day. Have we thought that the words we choose can either enhance or hinder our enjoyment of life? The metric of what constitutes a good life, a blessed life, is what God loves. If we want to know the good life lived, we need to begin. We want to begin by seeking to know and love our good God. Again, Psalm 34 can be a great aid. (laughs) It is clear that David spent a lot of time just thinking about God and the good things God had done. So much so that you'll find him writing about it all throughout that book called Psalms, not just Psalm 34. Three categories I'd encourage us to give attention to in our life of love for God. Our words, our actions, and our motives. Put them in questions this week. Here's something to take with you as you examine and think about your life of love for God being words, actions, and motives. Put them in questions. Here they are. How is what I'm saying show that I love God? How is what I'm regularly saying, what's coming out of my mouth, showing that I love God? That's words. What about actions? You can ask the question, how is what I'm doing show that I love what God loves? How is what I am doing showing that I love what God loves? And then motives. You can ask, How is what I'm motivated by reflect the purposes of God in my life? How is what I'm motivated by reflect what God is doing in my life? 
or what his purposes are to do in my life. Now, friends, if you're like me, if you really think about those things, you're going to see, like I see, my need for help. So start praying for God to set you on this course, just to begin. If you find you're off, just to set you back on it and begin again. If you haven't begun at all, that he, by his grace, would show you the way to begin through Christ. Ask others, as you see your need for his help, ask others to pray for you. Ask them to pray with you. And then enjoy seeing how your prayers are heard and answered by the Lord, whose, verse 12, ears are always open to our prayers. The life of the blessed is a life of love for God. And we see also in these verses that the life of the blessed is the life of love for others. You know, if you, if you were to go back and read through this letter and notice how P- Peter is organizing his thoughts, you will find and maybe be surprised to find out that Peter chose to put this section about blessing <laughs> right at the end of a long section on submission and at the beginning of a section on suffering. We've already seen how we might have prefaced talking about suffering with this section on blessing to show that this good life can be had regardless of whatever we're enduring or living in right now. But why end a section on submission with these words about blessing? Seems odd to me. Well, Peter talked about submission in this letter to government, to employers, masters, wives, to husbands. In each of those categories, he encourages the one under submission to do what is good before God and for the good of the one they're submitted to. And so these verses here are the natural conclusion to his thought. It's as if Peter is saying, regardless of whether or not your situation fits in the previous ones that I've given you examples of, of how to live in submission, this one applies to all of us. Christians live submitted to loving others, no matter what kind or what Christian you are. Whether they be your brothers and sisters in Christ, whether they be members of this church, or whether they be the people who wrong you and speak against them, bless them all. Why would I choose to call that a life of submission? Why would Peter connect the two? Well, because submission recognizes a governing authority and respects that authority in our attitudes and our actions. And if we live by our own authority, wouldn't we just live for the benefit of ourselves? But we have a better authority, God, who used his good authority to save us. And so we seek to serve him, and he is the one to whom we're submitted that calls us to submit our lives in love for one another. The person who is blessed realizes that the good life they have and live is not their own. It is a life given to be lived for God's praise and for the good of others. So would you like a blessed life? Would you like a blessed life? Well, let me give you Scripture's countercultural wisdom. Make the aim of your life to give benefits to others and not get them for yourself. Isn't that what Jesus said? It's more blessed to give than to receive? Isn't that what Jesus did? 
He didn't count his equality with God something to be held onto. He emptied himself. He took the form of a servant. He was born in the likeness of men. And being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross, Philippians 2, 6 through 8. So friends, submission and the life of submission does not stall us out. It gives us plenty of good work to do. What is being described here is submission to everyone, by everyone in the church of God. It's everyone asking the question I asked at the beginning. How might I bless you, brother? How might I might bless you, sister? How might you bless me? How might I receive God's blessing to me through you and your life? It's you and me thinking now and every day, what can I do for her? What can I do for him that would benefit them? How could I count their interests as more important than my own today? Now, what about our individual priorities? Should there be any place for ourselves in this picture? Well, yes. But we will see all those things in terms of the whole. So we'll prioritize me time in order to get recharged and rested so that we can go and serve others some more. Even our time alone in God's word, our time in prayer, our time reading a good Christian book, all of it ought to be operating to fill up our love for God, which will then fuel our love for one another. Now, you can tell, I hope, that God's wisdom in this matter, in this area, is making a very clean break from the culture's ideas of blessing. If you don't and you have Instagram, just type in hashtag blessed and go through like the first 20 and write down what you think the world's understanding of blessing is. In this world, being blessed is all about me. It's all about what I think I need or want. It's all about drawing attention to me. And you can see how this better way that Peter's talking to us about, when lived, does not do that. It draws attention to God in Christ. Those who are blessed by God bless others. So how can we as a church bless each other? Well, by pursuing the things Peter lists in verse 8 in our life together. Finally, all of you have unity of mind, sympathy, brotherly love, a tender heart, and a humble mind. You know what all these things have in common? You know what holds them all together? Christ's love for us. You want to know how to love your brother or sister? How has Christ loved you? Love them like that. Christ truly embodies all of these things. How beautiful the life of Christ appears to us, even though he had nothing the world called, quote-unquote, blessed. You read Peter's words in verse 8, and you start to imagine a, a people who embody this, who live like this, and you think, what a sweet church that would be to be a part of. Friends, this church can be like this. And I trust by God's grace, this church is already growing and showing how the Spirit is at work here and is making you like this. 
we pray at Grace Harbor Church of Cape Cod that you would be formed into the image of Christ so that your life would look like this. If there is any kind of vision you mean to pursue as a people of God, let me encourage you to make this it. People who love Jesus and love each other in the way that Jesus loves us. May God make us to be doing and living more of verse 8. May Christ be praised as a result of the love you have for each other in this church. And if you're here and maybe you've joined the church recently or you've just kind of been on the fringes as a member, you're not sure how you can serve, you want to serve more as part of this church, here's a great list of things you can start doing in verse 8. It's a very practical way for you to live here among these people to serve these people. But in order to be able to do these things, to truly have unity, to have true sympathy, to have true love, to be truly tender, to be humble, we're going to have to know each other well enough to know where Christian unity can overcome human divisions, where sympathy can melt criticism, where bitterness or anger can give way to brotherly love, where tenderness should replace self-righteousness and humility drive out pride. To love like Christ, we must know and understand each other like Christ. So let me encourage each of us to practice these things, praying that Christ would be praised. These are the priorities that we live for as God's people. We're going to repeat them again today. You're going to repeat them as a church when you read the church covenant in a moment. We do not, you do not, I trust, want to be disunified, callous, selfish, harsh and proud. Why not? Well, one, because those are bad ways to live. And because that's not the life Christ saved us for with his own blood. He saved us to know the good life. Your life of blessing others does not stop at the church. The world you inhabit is all an arena for you to serve. So where can you carry blessing to your homes? Where might you bring benefits to your friends or coworkers? Even your enemies. Let's conclude. Would you like to live a blessed life? Well, live to do good to others out of love for God. Who are you living to bless? Is it God? Is it others? Is it just yourself? A life purely for ourselves will be a curse to us and it will damage others and it will be effectively a curse on God who calls us to live for greater purposes. There is grace in Christ to remove that curse and to give you a good life, a life of eternity with him. So when we live to bless God and others, then all our lives will be a blessing to us, a truly good life life. Let's pray. We thank you, God, that in your mercy and grace, you have chosen to do what is good for us in Christ. We thank you that today, sinners, all of us, could come to a place and hear that the holy God who we sinned against has, de- has decided in your great love to offer us blessing, <laughs> though all we had to give you was cursing. 
We praise you for the grace of Jesus that saves us from that terrible state in which we once lived and brought us into a life that is truly good. Lord, because of Jesus and only because of him have we obtained a blessing that will lead us to life with you. We praise you for that. Lord, help us not to take that blessing and ignore it or discount it or not appreciate it or set it aside for a while so that we would, uh, we would pursue other blessings. Lord, instead, may we be people who receive again this blessing today and that we would walk in obedience and joy to live out that blessing for the end you gave it, which is to love you and to love your people and to love those who you will work through us to make your people. We pray you would do that and that we would be able to participate in the joy of your blessings, which you give us in your son. We pray in his name. Amen.